Hey friends, and welcome to the happy hour. My name is Jamie Ivy, and I am your host every week. And I'm so glad that you're here. If this is your first time, I'm glad that you're joining us. The happy hour podcast is a show where every week I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about our lives and you literally feel as though you've been to happy hour with us. And that's what you want it to feel like. I want you to feel encouraged. I want you to know more about a woman that you didn't know. And I want you to just enjoyed your time. Today's episode is brought to you by Slum Love Sweater Company. Slum Love's mission is to provide quality, stylish clothing that is also making a difference in the world. Slum Love employs women who live in one of the world's largest slums located in Nairobi, Kenya. They are paid fair wages, treated with respect, and given the resources they need to provide for themselves and their families. But it doesn't stop there. Slum Love takes a portion from every sale and helps provide high school scholarships to children living in the slum. The goal of Slum Love is to give people an opportunity to help change lives through their everyday purchases. When you buy from Slum Love, you can know that you are truly making a difference. Slum Love is one of my favorite sweater companies, and I get a new one every single year for my wardrobe. Head on over to slumlove.com and check out their amazing sweaters that they have. Today is Happy Hour episode number 30, and today my guest is Jessica Turner. Jessica is the founder of the popular lifestyle blog, The Mom Creative, where she documents her pursuit of cultivating a life well-crafted. Additionally, she's a writer for HuffPost Parents and Dayspring's Encourage an advocate for World Vision, a regular speaker at blogging conferences nationwide, and an award-winning marketing professional. She and her husband, Matthew, live with their three young children in Nashville, Tennessee. You're going to completely adore Jessica on the show today. We talk a lot about what it means to really take those fringe hours of your life as a mom and use them to the best of our ability. Her new book, The Fringe Hours, releases this week, and you can get it wherever books are sold. And she's going to give away three to some of you listeners. So you can go over to my webpage, jamieivy.com, and you can see where you can just leave a comment with anything that you want to let us know, and you can be entered to win a book. We'd love to connect with you. Find Jessica or I on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and we'd love to become friends that way. I want to let you know that there you can hear a baby in this show a little bit, so it's sweet, but I just want to tell you that so you don't think there's a baby in your house when you're listening. Also, I want to let you know that you guys are so gracious and so wonderful with leaving such great comments and feedback. And I want to let you know that the, the audio is not perfect in this one. And I hate it and I don't know what to do about it because I'm just learning. And so give me grace there. I want to say thank you to Elizabeth who left a comment on my blog. She said, obsessed with the podcast, Jamie. My day is immediately made better when I see you have a new episode out. Really enjoyed this episode and would love a chance to read Sarah's book. And she's talking about happy hour number 25, 29. If you didn't hear it, it was Sarah Martin. Guys, thanks so much for listening. You're going to love Jessica. Head on over to jamieivy.com and you can see how you can win a book. Here's Jessica and I chatting. Okay, Jessica, thanks for joining me on the happy hour. My My pleasure. pleasure. Thanks Thanks for for having me. me. This is so fun. And I know you have a brand new baby, so this is even more special that you're taking time out. How old is your youngest? Um, He is almost a month old. Okay. He was born New Year's Eve. So so he'll always be able to celebrate on New Year's Eve. I know. I'm like, I think that's probably one of the best birthdays you can have. Like, you'll always get off of work early, or you'll always take the day off, and there's fireworks and parties. There's always a party. Awesome. That is fun. I always wonder if that would be an awkward time. Like, I have a girlfriend who just had a baby, like, the day after Christmas. You know? Yeah. I was like, I don't know. How's that going to be? And I have some friends that have their birthdays in December, and they always complain that no one remembers their birthday. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's probably true. I kind of felt bad when I found out that my due date was so close to Christmas and and the holiday, Um, but it was just the way it worked out, so. Hey, you can't help it. It's just how it works. Oh. Okay, well, tell everyone who's listening just a snippet about you and your family and where you live and what you do. Well, I live in Nashville with my husband, Matthew, who writes full-time, and then we have three kids, Elias, who's six and a half, Adeline, who's three and a half, and then newborn Ezra, who you probably can hear grunting here on the podcast a little bit. I love the little baby noises, though, so don't stress about that. He's pretty awesome. He's awesome. Okay, so then what do you do? I work full-time um, at a hospital here in town doing content development and social media um, for mostly our children's hospital. I do some stuff on the adult side, but mostly a children's hospital. Um, right now, I'm on maternity leave, which is a nice break <laughs> from working 40 hours outside the home. Um, and then I have a lifestyle blog called The Mom Creative, and then I've got a book coming out here um, in just a couple weeks, The Fringe Hours, which I'm really excited about. So life is wild. Life is wild, and I've been reading your book over the past week, and because people that just heard you say everything that you just do, their first thought is like, 
how does she do all of that? Like, you know what I mean? Like you just listed off all of these things that you do. And so they, their first thought was like, how does she do all that? And I love you tackle that in the book. So it's right. Wonderful. Yeah. That, that was, was really kind of the genesis of the fringe hours is because I get asked that question all the time. How do you do it all? How do you work full time and do scrapbooking and the kids and the baking and all of that? Um, and you know, the answer is that I don't do it all. Right. Like if you saw my house right now, you'd be like, Oh, so that's, that's what she doesn't do. Right. Um, but I do think that it's really important for women to practice self-care and make time for their own passions. And so, um, I find that time in the fringe hours and I literally wrote the fringe hours in my fringe hours. I was getting up at five and going straight to the office and working on the book for a couple hours before I would start my day. Um, then I wrote a lot of weekends. So my, my fringe hours were all the fringe hours. They were <laughs> so your book fringe hours. Good- I read a book this fall. I think it was this fall that kind of helped me see some of this that you talked about in the book. I think it was called 168 Hours. Yeah, um, uh, Laura Vanderkam's book. Fantastic book. Yes, and it was very a little bit more technical than yours. I like yours is a little bit more easier read for for us women and stuff. But I took away so much from her book as well as yours. But hers talks about like, and I never thought about this before that we literally have these many hours in our week. And so right. what are you doing with them? And I was like, right. oh my gosh, I'm wasting a lot of them. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, she's great. She actually endorsed the fringe hours and she just had a baby as well. So we've been corresponding a good bit. Oh, of course. Okay. I want to talk about your book a lot, but I first want to ask you a couple questions about this new baby of yours. Okay. Because this is number three and I have four and I will tell you that going from two to three was the hardest adjustment for me. Okay. So which one have you felt as though has been the hardest? <sighs> you know, I- I don't think two to three has been that hard. I think one to two was harder um, because I had a really um, awful recovery from that birth. Um, and she was a really fussy baby. And so I think, um, I don't know if it was going from one to two or if it just was my number two was really challenging. Um, but with Ezra, it's been, you know, it's been pretty easy. The Elias and Adeline, they play well together and, you know, are kind of more self-sufficient. And so, um, it hasn't been quite as challenging. Okay. That's good. Cause I know a lot of people are like, think about like, what's the hardest, you know, I think mine was a little different cause my third was a 22 month old from Haiti. And so right. I, I'm, I'm like you, maybe it was just the circumstances that exactly. three hardest for me for sure. Right. right. Um, you know, and they say that three is the most stressful number of children that you can have. Um, there have been several that. studies done about that, you know, and I think mine having a nice age gap, you know, I don't ever have like two in diapers or I'm potty training in diapers, you know? And so I think the fact that they're all three years apart also, I think makes it a little easier than, you know, if you have three in four years or something like that. You know what? Looking back, I do think mine was circumstantial because my first two are 22 months apart. And so I did have two in diapers. I had two like napping during the day. I just... Yeah, that was hard too. So you know what? Maybe all my kids have been hard. Just right. it, does, it just changes the circumstances. Yeah. Oh my gosh. How have you felt that you're a different mom with number three than number one? I I think I'm a lot more relaxed. Yeah. Just oh, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Oh, whatever. I was thinking about it this morning. The other thing that has been really different for me this time. For, so my first two, I had um, natural deliveries, and then this one, I had an elective C-section um, because my my kids were both really big, my first two. Mm-hmm. And so, and because I had so much trauma with my second birth, I thought, you know, let's, let's preserve the integrity of what's left and like, not, I'm not ruining not, everything down there. Yeah, the not time. do yeah. it a third time. Um, but then Ezra was two pounds smaller than Adeline. And so then I was like, did I make the right choice? Did I? So the recovery has been a little different, but I, um, <laughs> this time around showers have been a lot more of a challenge for me. You know, and I would read blog posts from women who are like, oh, I haven't showered in days. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, I showered every day with my first two. And this one, I'm like taking a shower at four in the afternoon because it's the first time that I have to do it, you know? And so I don't know if that's me being more relaxed or him eating more or working on the book launch while on maternity leave or what it is. But I do think like... I've been more relaxed with him and with myself. Okay, well, I do have good news for you. I just read an article today that, I mean, the other day, that dermatologists say we shower too often. Oh, well, there we go. So I'm just going to, you can just let that go. In fact, I have it right here, (laughs) which is funny. It says that we should actually shower, like, we should take a day off. So every two to three days. Interesting. But they should say that you should, like, every day, like, take a cloth and clean the, you know, the... 
the areas. The areas. You know, they make like disposable cloths now. Which is for like when you travel on planes or whatever that are basically like towel sized baby wipes. It's the best. I took those. We just traveled to Spain and I packed those in all my kids' bags. Like, okay, look, if you if you need to clean off, here you go. Take this with you to the bathroom every time you go. That's amazing. Yeah. So you can let go of the showering, Jessica. There you go. There you go. You don't even need to shower every day. Awesome. Um, I always felt like my, my, like one thing that I let go with my third child versus my first two is that I was a very, I don't know how you are with my first one. I was like very scheduled. Yes. My second one. Like we, I would, as he got a little older, not when they were baby babies, but we got on a schedule. So like we didn't get out of bed till eight and then we ate and then two hours and then we played and then we slept, you know, something like that. Like I was very regiment and it worked well for me. Because, like, I knew if someone's like, hey, do you want to go somewhere with me at 11? I'm like, oh, we're napping then. You know? And I was really strict with it. My third one, I'm like, look, we had got to go to school. We have to do this. You just have to take your nap in the car. Like, it just got so – there was no schedule with the third, you know. It's just let it go. I can already see that being the case with this one. I'm like, oh, whatever. You know, I'm I'm flying down to um, if here in a couple of weeks, and I'm bringing Ezra with me. I'm like, oh, it'll be fine. I'll just wear him. It, you know, no big deal. And I know, like, I would not have been that relaxed with my first ones. No, no. I have a sweet girlfriend who just had her first baby, and that and you know there are. It's very big. Like there's there's all kinds of viruses going around here in Austin. Flu, strep, everything's crazy. And so her doctor said, you know, don't leave the house for two months. And she's not. And I just thought to myself, I would have done that too with my first child. But then when it's your third, you're like, I have to. Like this, we have to leave the house. We can't stay here. Right. I just look at the differences between your first and your third and fourth child. So, yeah. So it's always crazy to ask a new mom this. But do you think you guys are done with kids? Well, it's not crazy to ask me because I had a tubal, so. Oh, that's great. That would run yes. along well with your C-section, yes. Yes, yeah. So since I, I had the C-section, we went ahead and did the tubal. And, you know, I think that's the other thing why my recovery has been harder because, um, you know, I talk to people who had C-sections and they're like, oh, it's fine, it's no biggie. But, you know, I basically had a second surgery with having the tubal. And so I just have been very, very sore. Um, but, yeah, I don't do well with pregnancy, and I don't think my, my marriage could have sustained me being pregnant a fourth time i had a tubal this summer and it was like it was just kind of freeing to think like okay we're done like this is it yep Feels good. yeah it definitely is a big a big decision but we um you know we thought i actually signed the paperwork to have a tubal if i had a c-section with my daughter oh well, i was like that was done so with, yeah yep and so then i couldn't shake for a year that i wanted one more um and my husband is almost nine years older than me and so he was like okay well if we're gonna do this like we we need to do this and so um then then we did the one more but we we knew from the beginning of trying for number three that this was going to be it well that's good that feels it feels good when you can feel like my family is complete i feel good with this i felt like yes that when and my i do, fourth I, do really home, I was like way. i feel complete this is great really really good um, yes. so I would like to ask you this too. You, this is your first book, The Fringe Hours. It um, is. And you wrote this while you were pregnant, while you were working full time, running a blog, parenting two children, wife, you know, several people that are listening are like, I'd love to write a book someday. How did you make that priority in the midst of everything else that you were doing? Right. Well, I was not pregnant for the majority of writing the book. Um, I was in the editing phase when I got pregnant, which was a huge blessing because I'm so, so, so sick when I'm pregnant. Um, This book would not be coming out right now (laughs) if I had been in the writing stage still, probably. Um, But I had a really good outline. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And thankfully, I'm a pretty fast writer. I'm not, um, my husband, sorry, do you hear Ezra grunting here? Um, All of of us women are like, we can feel our bodies like feeling like there's a baby in the room. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I, I was really kind of regimented with my writing. Like I said, I wrote, you know, in the mornings and I wrote on the weekends and I knew how much I had to get done. And I, my husband laughed at me because I had a, um, a spreadsheet uh-huh. with every chapter and then like I would track the word count for every chapter. And then I had it total because, you know, I knew I had to get to 50,000 words. 
And I did write the book chronologically. I kind of wrote what I was feeling that day. And so then I'd go in and enter, you know, how many words I had written and, and just kind of was very goal oriented for completing the book on time and, you know, meeting that word count. So um, for me, having that structure and knowing what I needed to accomplish and having, you know, that set deadline worked well for me. You sound like a very like, um, like organized, I'm going to put my mind to it, I'm going to do it and here's how it's going to go kind of person. Well, I kind of had to be with the book because, you know, I had a deadline and I was literally writing it in my fringe hours. And so I didn't really have a choice. I felt like, you know, I needed to be that structured. And I did have to say no to a lot of things for that season. And I mean, it was definitely hard. I mean, working seven days a week, kind of feeling like around the clock, feeling like I kind of missed out on some things because I was writing so much, but I felt so called to write the book and my husband felt the same way that it was a really important message and something I was called to do and we were really thankful for the opportunity and so you know we just buckled down and, and got it done so and I'm really really proud of how it turned out. I, I, it's beautiful and the cover's beautiful by the way I was going to tell you that as well but I think that so many women are going to resonate with it because it's things that like it doesn't matter what stage of life you're in whether you are um, a mom um, or not a mom, or mom to six, or mom to one, or working outside the home, working inside the home, it doesn't matter. I think all of the things that you cover in here are things that all women struggle with. And so it's a very easy across the board, like this can relate, all of us can relate to this. So I really thought that was really, really well done in the book. So that was really, really good. Oh, thank you. I think with me being a mom, a lot of people make the assumption that this is a book for moms, but like you said, it really isn't. Um, one of the things that I was proud of with the book is that I knew it couldn't just be my story of how I make time for myself, that that wasn't going to resonate, and, you know, I'm kind of an end of one. And so I conducted a survey um, where I talked to women about how they spend their time and what they're passionate about, and had more than 2,000 women respond. And so getting feedback from that many women really helped shape the book, and I think um, make it a more well-rounded finished product. You know, I like that too when I was reading it. It was like, there was, it was like a, a mini voice book. I mean, we had your voice throughout the entire, <coughs> excuse me, we had your voice throughout the entirety of the book, obviously. But I felt like you did a great job of bringing in all kinds of different voices because every time you brought in a couple of quotes from people, there were probably a handful. I was like, oh my gosh, I really, I could have said that, you know? And so mm -hmm. it, that was, I like that a lot too. That was really, really well. Um, I was thinking about something when I was reading um, some of it the other day. Um, about saying no to stuff. Yes. I think for women is so hard. And I, um, I read, I'm sure you read it too. Lisa Turker's book, Lisa Turker's book this year, the best yes. Uh -huh. Yes. And, um, excuse me, I read her book and it really resonated with me is that I have found myself doing just like, yes, 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 yes. And the best example last, last spring, Jessica, I signed up to be in charge of an entire book fair at my kid's school. It was like the worst thing I've ever done in my entire life. <laughs> it was the worst yes I've ever said in a long time. But I also right didn't thing. do it well. Like, I didn't do it well at all. And so when I, I was there for an entire week, it took out a whole week of my life. And the whole time I was there, I was like, A, I don't enjoy this. And B, I'm not doing a good job at this. Like, I can't believe they didn't bring someone in on day three and say, you just go home, Jamie. Like, we're good at this, <laughs> you know? But I thought about that, and it really... This, this, um, after the summer, I made a commitment. I made a list about these are the things I'm going to say yes to, and if it doesn't fall under this, I'm going to say no. And I'll tell you what, that's been really hard, but it's also been really freeing, you know. And the things that I have said yes to have mattered more. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. and it absolutely does. Yes. And it's funny because I, I wrote the fringe hours before the best yes came out. You know, mm -hmm. I was, I was done with the book when the best yes released, and um, I feel like they're sister books, you know, that they go really well together. They really um, do. In terms of their message. Mm -hmm. It was really good. And, um, but I felt like as women, sometimes if we can write down what we want to do and then say no, it helps a lot. And the more you say no, the easier it gets to say no. Oh gosh, that's so true. That's so true. And you know what? They don't ask me to do the book fair anymore because I said no. <laughs> I'm not doing the book fair ever again. Right. Good yeah. for you. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. 
I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Yeah. So I have a question for you, too, as you like go through life and work full-time and, and, and mom and and wife and stuff. How have, do you feel, do you feel any pressure? You know, I feel like a lot of times women that work full-time outside the home, they feel this pressure either from peers or the people they work with. Do you ever feel the pressure that you should be at home? I don't. Good. And I, I know that that's a bit of an anomaly, like you say, but I love my job. I love working. I would never, ever be able to be a stay-at-home mom, I don't think. Um, I really feel called to the work that I do, that that it is an area that I'm gifted in and that I really enjoy. And so, um, no, I don't, I don't really feel guilty for that. You know, my mom worked while I was growing up and my husband's mom worked. And um, so I think that I, yeah, that isn't really something that I struggle with, but I, I am aware of a lot of women who do struggle with it. It's just not, not my personal story. I, that's good to hear. I like that. Cause I always say that, you know, whatever makes you be the best mom, you know, works well. And if, if you, if you want to stay home and your family can do that, then that's awesome. If you need to work to help your family financially, or because you are a better person when you have those outlets, you know, I think that's okay as well. And mm -hmm. I, I love the way that you say that because so many moms, I feel the pressure of like, oh, well, I have to be home, you know, I have to be home. And so it gives them the freedom to do that. I think where I have sometimes felt pressure is in the little things like, you know, the school snack for the party. Should it be homemade versus buying it? You know, like those types of self-imposed <coughs> pressures that I'll put on myself. Yes. That really no one is saying you need to have homemade chocolate chip cookies versus the cookies from Publix. Mm -hmm. But um, those are the types of things where sometimes I'll get hung up um, and feel like I need to do more or perform at this level to be a good mom. But I have already just in the past, you know, six years of being a mom, feel like I've come a long way in that and recognize when I'm doing that and, and I'm able to think about my heart behind that, you know, why am I really doing this? Is this something that I enjoy doing? Is this something that my kids enjoy or am I doing it just because I think I should and, and stopping the times that I'm doing just because I think I should. Yeah. Do you know Jessica Honiger? I do. Uh-huh. I actually interviewed Jessica for the Fringe Hours as well. Oh, she's wonderful. She's I love a, her. She's a great friend of mine, and she talks about this pretty openly as well, as the struggles that she went through when she started Noonday. I've just, mm -hmm. you know, this, not only is she, like, running a business, but it's a startup business, and things just went crazy. And she said some of the things, things you just said about, like, I struggled with, I didn't, I wasn't there for like the class parties or I didn't get to be on the snack sign up list because I can't bring snacks in the middle of the day because I'm working, you know? And so she, right. she just really talks openly about the freedom that she found in that, um, that she could do both, you know, and be a good mom that way. And, you know, she may do things differently than a stay at home mom would have to do, but it still works out for them. It's great. Absolutely. And I think recognizing like how you can do things differently if it is still a passion of yours. So, um, for instance, my son is in kindergarten and his teacher will ask for volunteers to come in like during her work hour, which is from 11 to 12. Well, I'm at work and can't do that, but I'll email her and say, 
hey, is this something that you can send home with Elias? I'm happy to do it for you tonight. Um, and so I'm still able to feel like I'm contributing to his classroom experience, supporting his teacher and those types of things, but also able to do it in a way that fits with my schedule. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. Um, and here you also talk about one of the things that I think is one of the hardest things for women in general, doesn't matter if you stay home or work, it doesn't matter at all, is the self-care stuff. Yeah. How, how do you manage that for yourself? And then what did you write about that for us? Like, how can we help ourselves with that? Yeah, I think it looks different for different women. I know one of the things for me in a story that I tell in the book is I have chronic daily migraines. I sleep on my stomach, and so I have a lot of issues with my neck because apparently sleeping on your stomach is, like, the worst thing you can do for your body. Um, and so I need to get regular massages and go to the chiropractor regularly. And I write about the massages and how that was a really hard thing for me. I didn't know if we could afford it. I felt guilty for going and getting a massage every month. But then once I kind of pulled the trigger, if you will, and, and did that monthly commitment at my um, local massage envy, because it just like came out of my budget. I didn't have to really worry about it. You know, it's an auto draft type thing and started practicing that how much better I felt was so key. And then that impacts every other area of my life, right? If I'm feeling better, then I'm able to be a better mom. I'm able to be a better wife. I'm able to work better, you know, at my day job. And so not only does it impact how I feel about myself, but it also impacts all of these other roles that I have. Mm -hmm. And I think that we sometimes, especially moms, tend to put ourselves last. You know, I find myself struggling with that sometimes. Like, oh, I have to get everything done for the kids and da 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 and you're right, when I'm not taking care of myself, and not just physically even, and, and you address that, it's not just physical stuff, but it is in like me sitting down to read a book I want to read, or you know, me going on yep. a walk to kind of get my headspace back together. Sometimes mm -hmm. we feel like, oh, I couldn't do that, because then what would my kids do? And they're going to be fine if you read a book for 15 minutes while they're playing outside, you know? I think I love how you address that of just like, you need to take care of yourself so that you can be the best that you can be. More importantly, specifically in the mom role, is I think that it's so important to demonstrate that for our kids. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want my kids to grow up and not have seen their mom and dad taking care of themselves and not doing those things and making time for their passions, you know, and recognizing that God created us with this unique set of passions and to not be stewarding them well is to be doing a disservice to how we were created, you know? And, um, I want my daughter to see that mommy went out with her girlfriend, that mommy wasn't always stressed about having the house perfect and, and that sort of thing. I think that's really an important message for us to send our kids. Yeah, it's so good. I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. And one thing that Aaron and I've really tried to do to instill in our kids is just like for us, like to take care of our marriage you know, we have, we not only, our date nights are not as often as they used to be just because of our lifestyle, but you know, at least twice a month, we're out alone by ourselves, but we also take vacations without our children. And sometimes they haven't really ever been like, wait, you're going again without us. But, but for us, it's like, yeah, because that's how we like refocus ourselves and we take care of our marriage and all kinds of stuff. So I want my kids to think that I never saw my parents go anywhere without us, you know? And right. So, I want my kids to know that, you know, that their daddy is the number one person in my life and that we take time to, to foster that relationship. So good. Um, I was thinking about this the other day before I was even reading your book. And then when I was reading this, it like kind of clicked in my head is I, um, we have someone after we added our fourth child to our family, we started having someone come clean our house twice a month. And, yep. um, forever I've, I've never really like talked about it much or people ask me, I'll be like, oh, well, I have like a lady that comes. I'm like kind of whispering. Like, I don't want anyone to hear like, well, I have this lady that comes twice a month and she helps. Like, I'm embarrassed, you know, that right. like, I have this woman that comes out and helps me clean the house. And especially has been a little bit more hard, harder for me because I don't work outside the home. You know, I work inside the home. Probably 50-50 sure. stay-at-home mom, 50 like work. So then it was also like people, I felt like people were looking at me like, wait, you don't work outside the home and you have someone come clean your house for you. So I always felt this like shame. And then just like a couple weeks ago, my sweet lady was here and she's always like, thank you for letting me clean your house. Thank you for the work. I love my job. And I just thought to myself, like, I'm never embarrassed to go say that, like, I got my hair cut, you know, or that anything else. But yet I was so embarrassed at that. And just when I was reading your book and you talk about like letting people help you, you know, that we can't do it all on our own. And I just love that so much because I think so many women are just like, we, we're we not going to ask for help, you know? Right, and that that 
asking for help is not only a gift for yourself, but it's often a gift for who you're asking the help. Right. Like you said, it's giving them work or, uh, I write about my mom. She's amazing. And she, lives in Wisconsin and I live in Nashville. And so she, you know, I don't get to see her as much as I'd like, but whenever she comes to Nashville, she always helps me with projects around the house. Um, and she'll like organize closets and do things that are like not a gift to me at all. Not, not, not a gifting for me to do. It is a gift for her to come and do it. And she enjoys it. You know, like it is something that really brings her joy as well. Um, and so, I think we can't forget that part of the equation, but asking for help, I think the it's sort of like saying no, the more you ask for help and receive help and receive the benefit of that help, I think the more you want help. Um, yeah. I know that has been true for me. I was kind of the same as you with uh, getting somebody to come in, same as you, twice a month to kind of help bring us back to normal, yes. you know, do the baseboards and, and that sort of thing. And I also think about the time for that, you know, so for me to have somebody come in and clean and it's four people and they're in and out in an hour, I mean, that would take me six, seven hours to do the same amount of work that they do in an hour to an hour and a half. Oh, well, it, it it's a much better use of my time, time yes. to not spend that seven hours cleaning. I would get so distracted too. Like I could not do that straightforward for six hours. Like it's way better that someone else yes. comes in and helps. Oh my Absolutely. goodness. It's so good. I just listened to Annie Downs podcast and she just talked about the best places in Nashville to eat. Have, have you heard her podcast about that? I saw that it was live, but I have not listened to it yes. yet. And so Annie, Annie gets to go out to eat a lot more than I do. <laughs> I will say that. So I would, I would trust anything that she would say regarding, regarding. You the know, Aaron and I used Nashville. to live outside of Nashville. We've been in Austin for six and a half years, but we lived in Murfreesboro for five years. That's right. I forgot that. Right down the road from y'all. And so whenever I was listening to Annie talk about that. Okay. So when we lived in Murfreesboro, Aaron traveled almost, I mean, like 250 days a year. It was crazy. And I had two babies. So we hardly ever went to Nashville. But now looking back, I'm like, I feel like we missed out on this whole amazing place that we never went to because we were what, 30 minutes away. But do y'all get out on date nights often? We do not much lately just because of the pregnancy and the baby and, and all of that. But we really try to be intentional about that. It was funny in like November, December, I think we had concert tickets to like three or four different shows. And I was like, we're just getting it all in because we know that for the next couple of months, we won't really be, be getting out. But when we do go out, we really love to go see live music and shows and theater and that sort of thing. That's kind of our our choice if we're going to go out yeah. and, and spend the money on a sitter. And y'all get good stuff there in Nashville. You know, we really do. We're spoiled. Stuff. Yeah, y'all are spoiled. There's a lot of good stuff there. We have that in Austin, too. You know, a lot of good shows and stuff happening here. <laughs> a lot of good music festivals, which I'm not the biggest fan of music festivals. Like, I definitely, no, I, I won't even say that. I don't like them at all. But Aaron loves them. But just all of the people in one space, it I can't do it. I can't do yeah. it at all. Too much for me. Too much. Um, so since you have been at home with this new baby, what is, and this, I'm catching you off on the spot here, so you may not be able to think about this. What is the last movie that you saw? Oh, I, I can't even tell you. <laughs> I mean, you mean like in a theater? Yeah. Like go yeah oh God, theater. I don't even know. I, I, I can't even think. I, probably like I have probably only been to the theater like five times in the past six years. I mean, I, I just never go to the movies anymore. You know, Aaron and I used to go to the movies all the time when we were dating. It was like our thing. We would go see a movie. Yeah, uh, Matthew and I as well, but yes. not anymore. But we, we don't go to the movies very often either because my thing is if I get two hours alone with you, I want to talk to you. You know, I right. want to sit in a movie theater. Right, especially when it's good that, you know, movies come out so much faster now than they used to. I mean, you just have to wait a couple of months and you can see it at your house, yeah. you know, in your pajamas. Yes, which is um, much better. You know, and then there's all the previews. You know, I'm like, are you kidding me? We just paid 15 bucks for a babysitter for an hour to, like, get to the movie theater and watch previews. Like, we haven't even seen the movie yet. Right. Like, this is not worth it. <laughs> I know. We, we usually watch them at home as well just because... That's not a fun date night for me. Every once in a while. We just went into a movie like two weeks ago. But as I'm sitting here, I can't remember the name of it. That's how much it affected me. <laughs> so then I'm like, well, we wasted a whole movie night on a movie I can't remember the name of. That's crazy. Um, you know, if you ask me my latest Netflix marathon, that I could yeah, talk nauseam about. But not not the movie theater. What's so. your latest Netflix marathon? Well, I loved the fall. I'm in it right now. Oh, it's so fantastic. So I have, I just looked, I watched a little bit last night. I have, um, I think three episodes less of season two. 
mean, it's it is such a fantastic show. Wait, wait till you get to the end. I mean, it's and then it's is so it over? Good. I'm sorry. Is it over after this? My next, or is there more? No, no. Like they, you get some sort of. Um, you feel conclusion, but no, I mean, it, they could take it another season with that same storyline. So, um, I'm confused uh, about the fall. This is a Netflix original, right? No, it's not. Oh. Uh, no, it actually started, um, I'm pretty sure it's a BBC show. Okay, I saw BBC on the, on the last night. Yeah, it's a BBC show, and um, what is his name? The, the guy that's in it, who's the lead in Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, is that the, ba the bad guy? The bad guy, the the guy in it. Um, anyway, he really got his that really catapulted him in England as a superstar. That show did, and now you know he's gonna. Now he's got that movie, and you know we'll be all we'll see him everywhere. Um, he dated Kira Knightley for two years. Random factoid. Okay, the fall uh, is about he's a serial killer, right? I mean, that's what yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah. It's a, he's a serial killer. But you did, the book. I think it's important to note that you're not like seeing the killing so much, right? Um, yeah. As it's really kind of the story of him leading this double life, mm -hmm. um, and then the story is about this investigator that's brought in, who's the one. I'm terrible at actors' names. I am so too. The in X Files. She's the investigator yeah, on, on she it. She does great in the show, too. Gillian or something like that. Um, anyway, they bring her in to kind of do this investigation. She's just a fantastic investigator. And, man, I loved it. So, The Fall. And then I just started, and this is more like a mini series. It's not a show. Um, and it's another um, BBC show, I think. Um, I know PBS is what pops up on Netflix called The Bletchley Circle. Have you heard of this? I have not. Um, the first one was four episodes, and then the second season, there's just two on Netflix, is four or five. But it takes place in the 50s, so it starts out in the 40s, and it's all of these women who uh, were, they cracked codes during World War II. And then they go on and lead normal lives, and no one knew that they were in this, like, super secret job. It was like a, you know, a secret um, that they were part of this company called the Bletchley Circle during the war and these women get together and are trying to solve crimes now and they're just like regular housewives and they're using the things that they learned during the war to solve these crimes. That sounds uh, really good. Yeah really great and, and I love that it's a period piece you know with it taking place in the 50s and some of the stuff you know that male and female roles. Yes. Um, I really enjoyed that as well so those are the two most recent Netflix binges. Okay I like that. The most recent I told you I was watching The Fall, so that's my series I'm watching right now on there as well. But I just, Aaron and I the other night watched Bernie. Have you seen Bernie? No. Okay, I've seen it. It was like my third time, and I finally convinced Aaron to watch it. It is super quirky and funny, um, and it Jack Black is the main guy, and Matthew McConaughey is in it as well. And it is a true story about a man here in Texas, in East Texas, who was a... What do you call the people that when at the funeral home and they make them look good? Uh, more yeah, like, like the mortician? mortician. Yes. So that's who what he was, and he was just like this awesome, friendly, great community guy. And he befriended this widow, and I'm not giving anything away because it's a true story, and you know this from the get go. He befriended this widow, and they just were like friends for a couple of years and traveled and did everything together. Well, he ended up killing her, and so it sounds like how can that be funny and you know kind of quirky, but it is. But it's a true story, and it's really, really just this kind of weird indie kind of feel of the movie, but it's really funny. But also, I think that was came out a couple of years ago, and this happened – oh, I'm going to mess it up. I can't remember. But anyhow, the guy in real life just got out of jail. Like Interesting. I know. So it's really, really a good movie if you want to watch something that's entertaining – um, which sounds so weird to say that he killed this woman and it's an entertaining movie, but it is. Well, that's sort of like admitting that she's like a show about a serial killer, right? Exactly. <laughs> like you feel a little awkward saying that, exactly. but it's, it's true. Did it's you ever true. watch Dexter? Oh, don't even get me started. One of my favorite shows of all time. Okay. So Aaron and I watched it. How many, do you know how many seasons there were? Maybe six. Okay. Well, we probably got through three and then for some reason we just quit watching it. Do, do we need to go finish it? I would go finish it. Okay. I would definitely go finish it. And you know, it might have been season three. I can't remember now. There was one season that was a little off and you were like, huh, I don't know if I want to keep watching the show, but it gets so great again. Um, yes, I would go back and finish it. Have you ever watched Damages? No. 
Damages will forever, I think, be my number one recommended show for people to watch on Netflix. It's with Glenn Close. And she is a corrupt attorney. And um, the girl with the brown hair, her her name's Ellen in the show, with the brown hair from Bridesmaids. Do you know who I'm talking about? Um, Anyway, um, she's in it. And and this, I think, kind of was what got her start. And then John Goodman is in a season. Ted Danson's in a season. And it's one of these shows where it starts with the end of the season at the beginning. So you don't know what's happening. And then it kind of works backwards. And Glenn Close got an Emmy for the show. I mean, it is fantastic. From the first episode of the first season to the last episode of the last season, the entire show is fantastic. Okay, Damages. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna it, add it is always the one I recommend first to people okay. um, on, on Netflix. If you're going to binge watch a show, I absolutely adore it. You know, another show we started and never finished was Mad Men. Oh, you know, I've never watched Mad Men. And my husband, he... He's a night owl, so he'll oftentimes, you know, watch these shows, and I go to bed at, you know, 9 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says that I would love Mad Men, and it's one that I should watch while I'm on maternity leave, but I have not watched it. You might like it because of the same reason that you like the show with the uh, – it's like a period piece, so it's set back, and there's just all this, like, the men and women um, differences and all kinds of stuff in the workplace. I mean, it's really good. It, there's – I liked it. I don't even know, again, why we didn't finish it. I don't know. I think we just kind of start watching something and then something happens in life and then we don't finish, you know. Right, right. Well, and I think, too, he thinks that I would enjoy it because of it being in the advertising world and with me working in marketing and my degree is in journalism and strategic communication. So it's kind of the way my mind works anyway. And so I do think that I would really enjoy it. That would probably help you like it a whole lot for sure because of what you're in, your your work that you do. Okay, Jessica, I have a... We just are, this is weird that it's January and I mean, this is how life works, but we're already planning our summer, you know? Yeah. And so we just booked one of our summer vacations and we're going to be at the lake, which we did this last year, um, actually in Tennessee, in East Tennessee. I can't remember the city, but anyhow, it was one of our just most favorite family vacations ever done just on the lake for a week. And I kid you not, when I booked it yesterday, my first thought was like, oh my gosh, I have to put a bathing suit on. Like that literally was my very first thought was like, ugh. You know, the winter is, like, nice. You just kind of, like, eat all you want and put some big clothes on and live life. But you wrote one time on your blog, which I remember when you wrote it, and it was about, as moms, how we do this. How we, like, take the kids to the pool and we just don't even, like, swim because we're embarrassed. And that blog post that you wrote, it went crazy and a lot of moms resonated with it. Do you, you know the, the one I'm talking about? Put on that swimsuit? Oh, yes, yes I, I definitely know the one you're yes, talking about. Yes, yes. What was that a post that you like thought on for a while, or was that just kind of like the spur of the moment? You know, sometimes you have posts where you're like, you plan it out, you think through it, and some right. you like just write and it's just raw and real, and you hit send, and then the next thing you know, it's crazy. So it was both. Okay. So it started with we went to California on vacation in April. Okay. And I got was going through all the photos that we took, and my husband took these really sweet photos of me with our kids on the beach Mm -hmm. and like full body me in a bathing suit you know holding their hands running into the ocean and when I first looked at those photos I was like man I sure wish I'd lost that five extra pounds (laughs) before we went to California and then I looked at my kids faces (laughs) and how joyful they were and I thought about when I asked my little boy what was his favorite part of the day and he said when you went in the ocean with us and I thought man how many moms miss out on these types of moments because we're self-conscious of how we look in a bathing suit, that we wish we had lost that five extra pounds or 10 extra pounds. I'm going to write a blog post about it. And then I got pregnant literally the week after those pictures were taken. Okay. Yeah. And I started throwing up two weeks later and was so, so like almost hospitalized. So sick. And so I had this post in the back of my mind that I was going to write, but I was so sick, I was just not blogging very much. Mm -hmm. And so the Friday of, like, the weekend, like, the first day of summer, I think it was the first day of summer, I said, I need to get that post up. It doesn't have to be very long. I actually pulled some of the text from that post was written a few years before when my son was a baby, and I was kind of thinking these same things. You know, I still had a little bit of pregnancy weight. Did I want to really put a bathing suit on? And so some of it was actually from an old post. Some of it was new. I literally wrote it at 6 in the morning. Hit published by 6.30, got the kids ready for work or for school, and I went to work. 
And I thought, you know, I bet this will do okay. I've never had a big viral post um, before, mm-hmm. but I bet I bet this will resonate with a lot of people. And it just exploded. And um, then I published it also on Huffington Post. And it was the number one shared post on Facebook that week. Huffington has some cool tracker that they were able to see that. Mm -hmm. That not just from Huffington, but on all of Facebook, it was the number one shared post that week. And the Today Show picked it up. And I was like, man, I don't know if I would have been so bold to publish this had I known, you know, millions of people were now going to see me in that bathing suit, right? Um, That's the irony of the whole thing, you know? Right. You were right. like, didn't want this, and then there it is. Right. But you know what? I It gets it gets read still every single day. I get traffic on that post. I continue to get emails, not quite as many in January as I was even in you know September, October, from moms who said, thank you so much mm-hmm. for writing that post. I went swimming with my kids for the first time ever. We had the greatest yeah. time. And I think about how literally that changes their kids' memories for the rest of their lives, that could potentially impact how those kids parent. Yeah. And that that just blows my mind that some little blog post that I wrote could could have that potential. Um, because, you know, I don't remember my mom swimming with us very often. And the few times that she did, I do remember that. And I know that that has impacted me as a mom yeah. and has made me, you know, want to be in that pool even more often because that wasn't really... Um, a story in my childhood. And so I'm just so grateful for that. And, you know, I think about that this year because I've never been pregnant in December. All my, my kids were summer babies. So it was almost a year before I had to put a bathing suit on again. And it'll look a little different this year, I think. Um, but that is not what matters, right? What matters is making those memories and um, living joyfully and not not feeling shame about, you know, we grew a baby, for goodness exactly. sakes. Um, so... Like yeah, that. that's a fun, that will always be, I think, one of my favorite posts. I, when you said just now that you were looking at those pictures and, like, you just saw yourself, I thought, like, to myself, like, when I'm the same way, if, like, I'm out on the lake or the beach with my kids, like, the first thing I notice is, like, oh, I wish I would have, like, moved my leg forward a little bit more, and then I could be turned kind of sideways, and then it would look a little different, and that's so sad, and the truth is you and I both have daughters as well, you know, and I'm very cautious about what I say about myself around my daughter. But I also think that kids are a lot smarter than we think. And even if I'm not saying it, how am I acting about my body around her? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that they pick up on those things more than we think they do. Absolutely. And so it's even good as we're raising girls and boys too. I mean, for goodness sake, we always say like, I want to be so I want to be like aware of that around my daughters, but I want to be aware of that about my sons as well is that I want them to see a woman who is not always like shaming herself for her body. Cause that's, it's not attractive. It's not, you know, Absolutely. so it's not at all. Oh, okay. Jessica, I love all of your new Netflix suggestions that you just gave me. Oh, I'm so excited. I can't wait for you to watch them. I don't know how I'm going to get anything done now because I'm going to be binging on these things, but, oh, I always like to guess, ask people too. What are you? What are you reading lately? Um, I, it's so nice to be reading again. Because you're not <laughs> because writing or editing. With the, with the holidays and the book and everything else, um, I wasn't reading much kind of at the tail end of the year, but I just started um, the book Orphan Train. Have you read that? Yes. yes. You like it? Um, I am really liking it. Um, I love really good historical fiction, and um, this is a, a period and a topic that I'm not real familiar with. For those that haven't read it, it goes back and forth between present day and um, the late 20s. And in the late 20s, they used to have these things called orphan trains where they would literally put orphans on a train and they would stop in different cities and people could take orphans um, that they would, you know, potentially, you know, mostly use for work on the farm or helping at the home and that sort of thing. Um, and so it is a, a back and forth story of a, a lady who is on an orphan train and then now she's, you know, in her 90s and is working with a girl who is in the foster care system and just a a really, really great storytelling. I'm really enjoying it. Okay. That's good. I just finished the Rosie project. Have you heard about this? I haven't. It uh, was recommended to me to, from a girlfriend that it was one of a great book that she read last year. And it's a, it's a fiction book. And I, um, if anyone picks it up, I liked it, but I'll tell you, I was really ready most of the time for it to be done. Like I was just like, okay, I, I need, I'm ready to get through with this. Um, but, you know, I just read that. But I did read a really good book this year already, Big Little Lies. Okay. Have you heard? Her name is Lian, uh, Leanne 
I'm yeah, not, I think I have heard of this book. This is, I think maybe she has like three books out that people are talking about. And this is what I've heard the best one. Um, and it's fiction, but it's great character development. It was one that I didn't want to put down. So that's my recommendation for people is Big Little Lies. It was good. I love Amy Allen Clark. She writes a site called Mom Advice. And she and I, we love the exact same books. Like any book that she recommends, I know that I will love. And I was catching up on her uh, best reads from the past year um, one night when I was up in the middle of the night nursing. And I I messaged her and said, it's never good when I'm reading your book list in the middle of the night because I bought like four of them that she had recommended. So um, that's my little stack that I'm looking forward to reading. The Paris Architect was one. Have you read that book? No, I have not. Um, and then All the Light We Cannot See, which everyone has been talking about. Um, she she mentioned that one. And then The Good Girl, which she said, if you like Gone Girl, you will love this book. Is and it the so, same author? Um, no, different author. Okay, because I loved Gone Girl. Yes, I did. I read everything written by her after I read Gone Girl. And did Gone Girl like definitely the was ones? the best. Did you like her other ones? Are they worth reading? Um, I did. I, they are not as good as Gone Girl. Like, okay. you can definitely see the progression. There's three of them. Um, by her, let me think. Um, I'm looking right now here on, on Amazon. There's Dark Places and Sharp Objects yes. are the other two. Um, and I liked them. And I could see, But you could see kind of her progression as a writer mm-hmm. as she wrote those books. You know, I liked Sharp Objects better than, you know, Dark Places and... Um, and whatnot. They were all, you know, they, she's a good writer and a good storyteller. I mean, they, yeah, they're not sure. awful books by any means, but not as good as Gone Girl. But anyway, Amy said that if you liked Gone Girl, you'll love this book called The Good Girl. So um, those are those are my four four books on my stack right now. The next books. Okay, I'm, I liked Gone Girl a lot, so I'm going to have to add that to my little Goodreads account as well. So good, good. I just started using Goodreads. I don't know why I never have before, but I'm excited about it. You know, I like it a lot. I don't use it as like a social media type thing. Like, I don't really, if someone recommends a book to me, I don't really ever check those, nothing. I just use it as like this little place where I can keep everything together. Like if you tell all these books you just told me, I'll go add them to my to read list. And so then I'm like, Hey, I need a new book. I'm like, Oh, here's, here's everything I want to read, you know? And then I keep track of everything I did read. So if someone asks me, Hey, what have you read in the last year? My brain cannot keep this stuff in there. So it kind of goes in and leaves, but I have it all written down. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really good. So yeah. So join Goodreads. It's awesome. Um, okay, Jessica, this has been fabulous. Thank you so much for chatting with me about all things books and Fringe Hours and Netflix and motherhood. It's been a lot of fun. Oh, it's been awesome. Thank you so much for having me. So wonderful. And I will actually see you in a couple of weeks. We would have already seen each other by the time this aired, but I'll see you at IF in a couple of weeks. Thanks so much, girl. Guys, wasn't Jessica awesome? Thanks for listening to Happy Hour episode number 30. That was so fun. I want to remind you to head over to jamieivy.com. I put all the links of everything we talked about, the posts that she had written, that even the Netflix movies that we talked about. But you can enter there to win a copy of one of her books. And so I highly recommend it. I really enjoyed it. And so leave a comment and we'll pick a winner in a week. I want to thank Slum Love again for sponsoring this episode. And I also want to thank all of you guys that are listening and that you're leaving comments and ratings over on iTunes. It means a lot to me and it helps you find the show. So if you like the show, just take a second to go to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a comment, and it'll help others find the show. Guys, thanks so much for listening. I have amazing guests coming up from you. I have Lindsay Wheeler from Bottles of Tears and Asher Colley, who worked with Soul Hope in Uganda. And then I think maybe, possibly, I might be interviewing my husband, Aaron Ivy, for an episode. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening to the Happy Hour, guys. I hope that your week is amazing. I hope that you are surrounded by friends and family that you love, and I hope that you are enjoying life. 